This is Max Hedrum, and what you're about to witness is one of the most sinister-sounding intros to one of the greatest epics ever produced. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy. stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Why are you so pissed off? Why? Listen, if you got blasted millions of miles through space, ended up on another planet, and were given an IQ test by a janitor, you'd be a little pissed off, too. Well, look, maybe you are trapped in a world you never made, but, but I got problems of my own. You know, my, my whole career is falling apart. Your career? What about my life? I'm stranded here, shipwrecked. Look at this wonderful exhibit. You see what I mean? I'm a freak, an outcast. It's so lifelike and realistic. Bug off. Excuse me? I said beat it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Dude Looks Like the 80s. And that's right. You heard there at the beginning there. We are going to tackle the 1986, the infamous Matters where you stand on it, I guess. But it's kind of an infamous movie, Howard the Duck. And uh, this is actually a listener request. Um, when we started kind of rebooting the show, yeah, I got a message on Instagram, and it just basically said, Howard the Duck. That's all it said. So to, to do this, because it's a special occasion, of course we got my good buddy, my other dude from the 80s, R.J. McCready. What's happening, brother? Hey, Rick, it's good to be here again. And yeah, like you say, it's a, re- a listener request. And the other thing I realised on the on the lead up to this is actually we've got the big release of Endgame. Yeah. It's just come out on the cinemas, and it's probably one of the biggest Marvel movies to come out. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but everybody's going on about it. And uh, I've just realised this film that we're doing today, Howard the Duck, is actually one of the first Marvel films yeah. to go to the cinema. Um, like you say, sometimes people might be thinking, oh, these guys know what they're doing, but <laughs> it's just a bit of a coincidence, really, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I po- posted it on Facebook, and one guy has come out and said, hey, guys, I, I like this movie. And, uh, well, I'll, I'll, let you, I'll let you introduce this I guy. I think really. like was a light term. <laughs> well, well, yeah. well, we get into that. Our brother from Legion Podcast, from Cinema B, from... Two drink minimums. This guy is just—he's—he's—he's he's, he's iconic, and we're just happy to have him with us. It's our good friend Gary Hill. What's up, buddy? Hey, yeah, I'm here. <laughs> talk, talk, talk about quack food and stuff like that. And I'm here. <laughs> yeah, it's good to meet you, Gary. It's good to be here, man, with you. It's good to be here with you too, RJ. 
Yeah, Rick, um, well, Gary, you said to me um, I'd, I'd probably eventually dip my toe in the water to do some podcasting, but along the way I found a duck in the water, and here we are. Yeah. <laughs> That duck can't swim, though, Jack. That duck can't swim. <laughs> duck can't swim. So, but yeah, man, we've, we've got a lot of ground to cover here. So uh, to, to keep all that conversation till we get to the actual movie, let's go ahead and just jump right into our 80s stuff. Ed McMahon, take us away. Let's jump right to uh, let's jump right to uh, you want to do movies first or you want to do TV first? Uh, let's do TV first. All actually, right. Rick, I've got you know how I always start with this. I've actually got an advert here, and I've been doing Casio a lot. Before I change it a little bit this time. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, I've, people are thinking you know he's going down the Casio right too much here with this, but um, Kodak. We've got an advert for Kodak here. It's uh, Kodak's lowest-priced instant camera, and uh, it's called The Handle. Mm. <laughs> and it's got a tagline saying, it's just about the nicest thing you can give a pair of hands. So, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> All right. Does that make you want to rush out and go and buy it? Well, we'll see. Uh, I don't yeah. know, man. Uh, but on TV, so, yeah, we've got 1986. Um We've got a match of the century. It's Hulk Hogan joins the A-team to form a crime-fighting dream team. Wow. So it, it, it's the A-team man, isn't it? I mean, what can you say about them? Yeah, you can't really go wrong with that. Uh, I don't I don't know if I remember Hulk Hogan ever being on the A-team. Oh. <laughs> no, actually, I mean, I, I, it's in the TV guide, but Gary, do you remember that episode? I, I may lose my WrestleMania street cred here, but this may be the same year that the first WrestleMania happened, ah, where Mr. T Mr. was T. was yeah. a tag team partner with um with Hulkster. That's right. Against against Rowdy Roddy Piper and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. So there's that. Yeah, because Mr. T met um, Hulk Hogan. Or Hulk Hogan was in Rocky Three, wasn't he? Yeah, Rocky Three as well. Was that yes, ninety. That was going back a bit now. Was it nineteen eighty three when that came out? I think wasn't it? Yep, right around or, there. Yeah, around about that time. Eighty two, eighty three. Yeah, it's eighty two, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, what can you say? It's eighty. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Thunderlips yeah. is here in the flesh, baby. Thunderlips <laughs> is here. <laughs> okay, and we got another TV show here, and it. It was Fight at First Sight. Tonight we see a two-hour premiere episode of Moonlighting with uh, Bruce Willis. Ah, yeah. Uh, My wife is forever a Bruce Willis fan, and I believe it started with Moonlighting. Oh, okay. Does she call him Bruno? (laughs) I don't think she ever called him Bruno, but, you know. Was he Bruno? Was he a singer as well, or did that all just come out after he became... Yeah. That kind of happened with the popularity. Eventually, when you became an 80s... Yeah. An '80s star, you become a, a singer, like like Don Johnson, <laughs> Don Johnson. <laughs> looking for a heartbeat, you know. Gee, did John Don Johnson bring us somewhere? And, and, and Philip Michael Thomas, both yeah, Miami really? Vice guys. Yes, yeah. that's you know the the downside of the MTV generation because it was kind of open to anything at that time, and 
there's a lot of it that just shouldn't have been let in. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not going to knock it because uh, we'll get into that later on with songs and films and all that sort Which, of stuff. You know, you can point uh, your finger directly at Eddie Murphy as well because, you know, my girl wants to party all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good stuff. The heat, the heat, the heat is on, eh? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we've got a TV movie here, guys. I don't even remember this one. The Last Electric Night with uh, Jill Gerard from Buck Rogers. Wow. It, it had the kid out of Red Sonja, and that's the third time I've mentioned Red Sonja on this show. Yes, you have. So I don't know if people maybe think, <laughs> think I like that movie. You're a little obsessed, I think. <laughs> yeah. Talking, I about, talking about Ernie Reyes Jr.? Yes, that's it. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Um, all right. So yeah, that's it. That's what I got. How about you, Rick? You got uh, what you got on TV? Got on uh, in this week in 1986. In on ABC, we had uh, your typical lineup of uh, who's the boss came on first. Oh yeah, I think I remember. Is that the guy out of Bugsy Malone? Is that the one or not? No, no, no. That's that's, ah, that's right. Charles in charge. <laughs> Oh, right, okay. <laughs> Who's the boss is uh, Tony Danza, uh, Alyssa Milano, when she was a kid, mm. kind of brought her to fame. The little boy ended up being uh, the kid that was in uh, uh, Cujo. It was trapped in the car and all that stuff. So, Oh, yeah. Uh, it was a really popular show. Uh, mm-hmm. Mona, the character that was on there, she, used, she oh. came from Soap and a bunch of other shows. So, I was a fan, for sure. Yeah, it's a popular show. Uh, after that, we had Perfect Strangers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that one. Well, I don't think that made the UK. I might be wrong, but I can't remember it. It was, it was an odd show because it was about a, a foreigner come to live in America, but he was, like, from some made-up country, I believe. And Nipos. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I so watched lovely. a lot of Perfect Strangers, Jack. <laughs> it, was, it was a big comedy. It, it, was, it wasn't Cleveland, was it, Rick? <laughs> no, it wasn't Cleveland. Cleveland. Oh, sure. It was, it was Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> Balky and Cousin Larry. <laughs> uh, on the other side oh. of that, just like what you just brought up, Moonlighting came on next. And then, oh, uh, right, okay. And jumping that, we went to a show called Spencer for Hire, which was a very popular show here as well. Uh, it's, it's pretty bad that because uh, the Avery Brooks is much cooler than Spencer, and that, that hurts things in that series. You know? Yeah, yep, you're right. Uh, Spencer for Hire, was that a detective program? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, we were eat up with detective shows in the eighties, man. They were everywhere. Yeah. Speaking of which, yeah, you jump over to CBS, and the show that was coming on was uh, Mickey Spillane's Mike Hammer. So there you go again. It's another uh, another private dick <laughs> <laughs> uh, wearing a trench coat. And jumping outside of that, you went to the Equalizer, which was a very cool show. Oh yeah, I was just going to say the Equalizer. Yeah, that was that was big over here. That's a big show. Oh, cool. Had, had a good good intro. And uh, NBC, ironically, I had a team as well. It doesn't say what episode. It just said a team. And then after that came on Hunter, which was another private dick kind of show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, man. We're running, was, running a little bit of a pattern here, Rick. Oh yeah, well that was your your typical week lineup. So you know you had a lot of a uh, lot of detective shows. <laughs> Not as good as Quincy though. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, good old Quincy. All right, let's jump He's, into uh, jump into movies. Uh, yeah, do you want me to start this one, Rick? Absolutely. Okay, uh, we had a little movie called um, Crocodile Dundee this year. Yeah, never heard out. of it. 
Nah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> when was your ball, Mick? In the summertime. <laughs> um, Aliens came out this year. Oh, yeah. Uh, Highlander. I'm just going to run through them. Top Gun. Uh, Labyrinth. Big Trouble in Little China. Rubbish. Stand by me. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Jack, Jack Burden. <laughs> um, stand by me, Critters, and probably one of my favourite Fridays, Fridays, Friday the 13th, part six. Oh, six. Yeah, I really enjoyed that one. Yeah. Yeah. Which, um, yeah, I'd like to maybe cover that one Monday, Rick, on there. No. So, yeah, Gary, yeah, Gary that's the hard part of this is because, you know, we start talking about the movies that came out in this time period, but it's so hard not to want to talk about them because we're afraid we want to cover them, you know? Yeah. So, so we just kind of so run. We just kind of name I, them and just go, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll just I'll just sit on my thumbs waiting for the Rima Williams episode to happen. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my list from movies in 1986 in April. So these all came out in the month of April. Oh. Police Academy 3. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bob Goldthwait uh, and all of his glamour. <laughs> uh, we had a little mo- movie called The Money Pit. Uh, Tom oh, Hanks. Oh, yeah, Tom Hanks. Yeah, yeah I remember yeah. that. That was, good that was a fun one. I, I remember going to the theater and seeing that one back in the day. Shelley Long. Shelley Long, yeah. Um, Gung Ho came out. Michael Keaton. Uh, I don't know that one. Oh, okay. No, cool. it's another one of those movies that slipped past. So, so yeah, this is about... Um, when American industry was starting to suffer, a lot of you know uh, car manufacturings was going out, and the Japanese came over and put in one of their plants in an American you know empty plant, and they take all the people that worked for the old plant to work for this Japanese company, and you know you got the clash of cultures and all that stuff, and and that's got Michael Keaton. Michael it? Keaton is kind of the the. Uh, you know what that? You know what that sounds very similar to the Spider-Man Homecoming, doesn't it? You remember when he's working for Shield and they say we're going to shut you down, yeah, and then he becomes a vulture, doesn't he? I'm just saying, so I saw the similarity there. There you go. <laughs> they just, re- they just remade Gung Ho, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, starring Getty oh. Watanabe. <laughs> right, right, yeah, he was fantastic in this movie. Uh, next up, something we're all familiar with, April Fool's Day. Oh, yeah, good film. Yeah, I liked it. Very good. Yeah, we covered that one on Hell Ming. It's a lot of fun, man. Yeah, that's right. That's a good one. Uh, the movie The Color Purple. Huge movie. It's, yeah, I remember that, yeah. yeah. I think uh, Whippy Goldberg got an Oscar mm-hmm. for that, didn't she? Yeah. Is that right or not? Yeah. Yep. Remember that. So, big, big movie. That's one that you kind of, when you think of the 80s, you, you kind of, for some reason... Overlook it, but you forget how big of a movie that was and powerful, yeah. very powerful flick. And it was a Spielberg movie as well, wasn't it? I think was it a Spielberg uh, movie? Uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> or he produced it. This is a thing, is it? <laughs> Something to that th- extent. When you think of black culture, you think of a power Jew. That's fine, you know. <laughs> That's what I think of when I think of black culture. <laughs> Get his finger on the pulse, man. Uh, a movie that did not win any Oscars up next, but uh, still a lot of fun. Pretty in Pink. Yes. Yeah, that's I, right. I, yeah. I, I have a song said, for that one later. I've always said the Ducky is my 
my spirit animal. He's a hopeless romantic, much like myself. So I, I can get behind that. Speaking of yeah, ducky, so, speaking of ducky, we brought him up on the right show. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and last but not least, the incredible Care Bears movie part two <laughs> <laughs> came out this month in April, nineteen eighty six. That's what I'm talking about. Well, we we couldn't do an '80s show without bringing in the Care Bears now, could we? Yeah. That, that, first, that first one is dark as hell, if I remember correctly. Is all is all yeah. I'm saying. You yeah. know, it's pretty messed up. So, yeah, my my no, sister. Wait, wait, wait till we wait till we get onto Howard the Duck. <laughs> <laughs> all right, RJ, let's uh, let's jump into the the tunes of the time. What you got? If you leave by OMD. Yeah, man. Pretty and Pink soundtrack. Great song. That's a good one. And the next one I've got is Why Can't This Be Love by Fan Halen. Uh, never heard that one. No, no, <laughs> you First time you heard this one, <laughs> Well, of course, the thing about this one is, of course, this is coming, this is 5150, so this is right when... You know, Van Halen were the pretty much the biggest rock band on the planet. Yeah. And then David Lee Roth leaves. You get the introduction of Sammy joining the band. And this was the song that really was the first thing that was kind of put out there for everybody here. And, yeah, man, it's it's still a solid song. I think so, yeah. Um, I like it. Uh, I think Jump kind of overshadows it. Oh, a lot yeah. over here in this country, but then I play this song and people go, oh, yeah, yeah, I can't yeah, remember that. Yeah. And then Diamond, and Diamond Davis singing Louis Prima songs and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah, he's become our show mascot, isn't he? Yeah? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> right, so we got um, Lionel Richie uh, was dancing on the scene. Oh, boy. So the thing about this song, and I talked about it when I kind of covered the video a while back, was, you know, this is where Lionel Richie could do no wrong. So when you think about the logic behind this song, oh, what a feeling, dancing on the ceiling. That's the lyrics to this song. And it was huge. Did he just watch Electric Boogaloo or something? <laughs> Speaking of which, I think those guys were in the video. I think uh, oh, yeah. the tur- Turbo and Ozone were in the video. I've been a long time since I watched yeah. this, but yeah. I think one of the biggest fun facts about that, that video is they had a room that spinned in the video, uh-huh. and they used that same spinning room, uh, that same set for Night, Night of the Living Dead when, Tina, when Tina's dying. Uh, uh, yeah. Not Marilyn M Street. Marilyn Elm Street, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that that's. I think I talked uh, talked about that a little bit too. It's it's uh, you know, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I guess looking back on it, it was a big deal. You know, watching video. And of course, you got Rodney Dangerfield coming there at the end, kind of looking up and going, "Hey, they're up by the chandelier." You know that kind of thing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but uh, and but, just to mention on that one, Rick, I told you before, but Lionel Richie's got a. Uh, was it a, a bathroom bed sheet range or something like that, or some Lionel Richie aftershave right. that's come out? I saw it on the internet. I'm only saying. I'm only saying. I, I, I think I mentioned that for you on Rick Radio. But oh, man. <laughs> go check it out, man. 
<laughs> anyway, moving on, we got a uh, high love by Steve Winwood. Oh yeah. That's 80s. It's a, yeah, it's a, good, and this it's a is driving a, song. If you remember, uh, of course, this was kind of where not only was it Steve Winwood with this big hit, but you always you had Shaka Khan back there in the background. She was in the video, and that really kind of what relaunched her as well. Oh, wow. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Um, all right, next one, we've got uh, Karate Kid Part 2, Pizza Terra, Glory Love. Terra. Solo Satera. Live or die, man. Live or die. Live or die. <laughs> oh, I, teach you, I teach you drum punch, which means bitch slap in, in, in Okinawan. You know. <laughs> uh, yeah, good stuff. And uh, the last one, we've got Human League trying to be human is inhuman. Yeah. about this song because you notice how many times the word love was in every one of these titles at this time but uh to me this song really sets itself apart it doesn't sound like anything uh, uh, you know the production on it was top notch and uh i don't know i think it was kind of a precursor for what was to come with a lot more of the electronic sounds and stuff i don't know it's cool too yeah yeah absolutely yeah it's um i, I got it on a, a greatest hits um album yeah, wasn't it a couple of years ago? It's one of those songs that sort of passes you by, but then you listen to it, and you think, like you just said, it's it's a really well produced song, isn't it? Yeah. Sounds really good. Yeah, absolutely. but uh, yeah, that's it, Rick. That's all I've got on the list. I've done a kind of retrospective there. So, uh, what you got? We're going to start off with uh, some Force MDs that came out. Uh, a song called Tender Love kind of went like this. Tender about that one rj you know that one? Oh, sounds sounds like a sort of uh a commercial right sort of selling <laughs> romantic new items, tinder loves you know I mean? condoms <laughs> <laughs> maybe making music come on y'all yeah turn turn the red light on <laughs> right <laughs> all right after that uh the, this is the top this is actually i didn't i forgot to mention but this is the top 10 of uh april 1986 this week uh, so all those years ago, uh, number nine was Rolling Stones with the Harlem Shuffle. Yeah, yeah. The Shuffle. Yeah, you can hear the Rolling Stones. They put a bit of eighties into their songs there. You can hear that, can't you? Hear the tones. What's amazing is even back then, we were going, "Dang, how long can these guys go?" <laughs> And they're still going. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> uh, on oh, top of that, uh, some UK music right here. Some uh, Pet Shop Boys, West End Girls. Yeah, great band. Big one. Big song. Uh, again, issuing in that uh, the, the synth pop kind of sound that was yeah, really starting to happen. Yeah. So. That would, that would be that would be over here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, here's an odd one. 
Uh, I've always liked this song, and it's one of those you really forget about, but it's Sly Fox, and it's called Let's Go All the Way. Let's go all the way. I remember this. It was such an odd song, but you know, it's one of those that when you hear, it, you're like, you know what? I, I kind of dig this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You hear it and you remember it. That's on the radio quite quite a bit over here. And uh, this song right here, number six on the charts. This wasn't a very popular song at all. It just kind of goes like this. Oh, yeah, not popular Man, you still hear that Joker, you know? <laughs> Man. Uh, some Australian rock here. We got some NXS with uh, What You Need, which is actually my favorite uh, NXS song. Kind of goes like this. That's why. Ooh, that's why. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff, man. <laughs> That's good. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Up next, you can't have an 80s countdown if you don't have John Cougar Mellencamp on the air. Uh, this is <laughs> R-O-C-K in the USA. R-O-C-K in the USA. R-O-C-K in the USA. R-O-C-K in the USA. Back in the USA. He went from Johnny Cougar to, to, to John Cougar Mellencamp. Or John, or John Mellencamp. He had three different names. You know, it's, it's... Yeah, you know, the label made him change his name early on to John Cougar. He hated it. Then later on, he became John Cougar Mellencamp. He felt like he had to leave the Cougar in there because people said it for so many years. And then he just said, screw it. I'm going to be Mellencamp again. <laughs> <laughs> He's an Indiana boy, so I got to respect that. Right. Just not his views. Just not his views on chili dogs. That's gross. Mm. Oh yeah. Sucking on them chili Sucking dogs. Sucking on chili dogs outside of tasty oh, breeze. Oh boy. Uh, oh boy. We got the the Bengals with uh, Manic Monday. Just another Manic Monday. Wish it was so uh, R.J., you Love know it. the uh, significance of that song. No, go on, Rick. What is it? Well, uh. Something, something to do with chili dog. Well, some. <laughs> oh, I can only wish. I can only wish. <laughs> uh, I, I got a crush real bad still on Susanna Hobbs in the worst way, so. I, you know, I think a, a lot of people still do. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, oh, this song was actually written by Prince, so it's one of those songs that. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, okay. And yeah. when you listen to it, you can almost hear it's like if you played Raspberry Beret <clears> and then you played this one right after it, you'd be like, okay, yeah, I can definitely well, see I it. Think Is that a bit like Prince writing the soundtrack for Howard the Duck, as we mentioned? <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> we, we, we'll mention it later. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute for sure. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about uh, that later. Ironically, number two on the list, the the top ten of this year in 1986, uh, was actually Prince with Kiss. Oh, oh yeah. That guy, it's a shame he never had a career, you know? Yeah, it's awful. It's so terrible. <laughs> oh, that's it, yeah. uh, Couldn't terrible. play guitar yeah, for terrible. shit. <laughs> <laughs> so what's amazing, we just went from Prince to the number one song in America 
1986 in April, a guy that really didn't have much of a career, and that's uh, Falco with Rock Me Up and Dance. Yeah. yeah! That's my jam. I mean, come was on. Was this number one, was it? That was number one. Number one. Came out of nowhere, think. and just everybody fell in love with it. It's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> all, all I can think of when I hear that now is when the Simpsons did Planet of the Apes the musical. It's not going to say So uh, yeah, there you go, man. There's your top ten uh, uh, American top ten hit uh, of the time. So I'll tell you what, folks, we are going to take a little short break. We are going to come right back, and we're going to jump right into Howard the Duck. Stick around, people. Kodak introduces the extraordinary Kodomatic Trim Print Instant Color Film. Unlike the ordinary instant print, the extraordinary trim print lets you lift off the image to capture the color just the way you like it. And now look how slim I am. I slip easily into places the ordinary bulky instant doesn't fit. So you can keep me in style here in your album with your regular pictures. You can trim me. Watch it. And I'm so thin you can put me where you couldn't put an ordinary instant picture. You can show me off. You can do all kinds of things with me that you can't do with an ordinary instant picture. Here I am, with the new Kodomatic Trim Print Instant Color Film. Anyone can do extraordinary things. But he didn't tell you Trim Print is only for Kodomatic Instant Cameras. He didn't tell him it's only for Kodak. What? He didn't tell him it was only from Kodak. Extraordinary. Thank you. Trim Print, the extraordinary new instant color film from Kodak. Read about tennis tots, political posters, and the miniseries Shogun, all in the new issue of TV Guide magazine. Get a little closer. closer. Now don't be shy. Closer. You can get, you can get a little closer, closer with Arid Extra Dry. Only Arid has a patent on this formula that fights wetness. No leading deodorant spray stops odor better. And now Arid has a new baby fresh scent. It smells, mmm. Get a little closer, closer with the baby fresh scent of Arid Extra Dry. Arid fights wetness and odor. Now in a new baby fresh scent. Across the sea of stars lies another world, a world almost exactly like ours. This is where he lives. He's 27 years old, single but searching. Favorite sports, windsurfing and Aikido. Favorite pastimes, cigars and sex. He has everything except fulfillment. And then one night, it happens. Hey, good buddy, are you home? He has a very sudden midlife crisis. He lands in Cleveland. You do know why you were sent to me? Listen to me, small visitor. I can explain how you got here. Maybe you're here for some greater purpose, some cosmic cause. Here, he's forced to reassess his career goals. You went to med school? To explore new relationships. <laughs> to redefine his self-image. I'm sorry, we don't allow pets on the premises. To adjust to a changing lifestyle. Until he discovers just who he really is. A duck in big trouble. That's a duck, man. Howard the duck, trapped in a world he never made. All right, everybody, as you can tell right there from hearing the trailer, we're going to talk about the infamous. 1986 Howard the Duck, and this movie really kind of splits it, man, because 
It's uh, it's infamous for a lot of different reasons. But uh, if you haven't seen this movie, I'll give you a little rundown. Uh, 1986, and this is kind of the synopsis for it. It says, the film is based on the comic book character, How the Duck, that is suddenly beamed down from Duck World, a planet of intelligent ducks with arms and legs. Well, imagine that. Uh, he comes to Earth, where he lives in Cleveland. And there he is. He saves rocker Beverly, who's played by Leah Thompson, from The Thugs. I can't believe it. Uh, I didn't hear Gary kind of gasp right then. Just saying. Oh, yeah, I'm, th- I'm, I'm, th- I'm thinking slightly here, yes, for sure. <laughs> he saves uh, Beverly from uh, Thugs and forms a friendship with her. She introduces him to Phil, which is played by Tim Robbins, who works at a lab with the, with the scientist Dr. Jennings, which is Jeffrey Jones. And uh, when the doctor attempts to return Howard to his home world, Jennings instead transfers into an evil spirit. It transfers an evil spirit into his own body. That's the synopsis. They're <laughs> uh, leaving some oh, stuff out dude. there, but the, all right. This... Let's let's talk about what happens here because this movie was produced by George Lucas. And I remember when it came out, they were showing the ads for it and everything. This was going to be huge. This was going to be. E.T., Goonies, everything rolled into one. George Lucas knocking it out of the park. And ultimately, this movie absolutely flopped because I don't think it really found a home. I think uh, your comic book people were excited because we're finally getting a Howard the Duck movie. And I, I, the, the comic book people were not happy with it. It just didn't hold up no, to really the... Can't. Go ahead. Uh, I think you're right. The thing with How the Duck is it's one of those films where it could easily have worked. This yeah, is where yeah. some films can either be six degrees out from being successful. So a couple of years later, you had Hugh Frame Roger Rabbit. Right. Which is, when you look at it, you look at the mechanics of this film, it's a similar sort of thing, isn't sure. it? Sure. But um, Hugh Frame Roger Rabbit, just boom, that's it. And this came out and it's got, like you say, Universal, George Lucas attached to it. Yeah. It's got uh, the in- industrial lighting sounds. Yeah. Um, Let's do that. light magic, yep. So it had everything going for it, but it, it got released and it just didn't do very well. It just bombed yeah. them, the well, critics. You had, you know, it. it was appealing to kids because of the way the duck looked. So I think that was a big problem, too, is I think, <laughs> yeah. you know, kids were appealed to it because of the way the duck looked. Comic book people didn't like it because of the way he looked. Uh, but when the kids went and seen it, it's not necessarily a kid's film, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, because I, I haven't seen this film for a long time um, because I didn't really have it on the list to cover unless we had obviously right. had the, the listener request. So I've gone back to watch it and I thought, now, when you, when you look at the poster, you think, how the duck? So you go back to 86 and you're queuing up outside the cinema with your kids and you think we're going to go and watch a kid's movie. But then when you're watching the film, it's like, <laughs> I mean, it starts off and all I've got to say is what, Breeders of the Lost Stalk poster. You get in and you're kind of going, right. I mean, you, you get duck titties about two minutes into this film. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, twice, it's just, twice. It's a, it's a weird mix. Of, of yeah. you know, I, I think that was kind of the problem with it is, uh, in hindsight, I think you can appreciate it a lot more now. And I think that's what's going on is you've got this cult kind of following. And it, and it's yeah. that movie that really is really is divisive because you either love it or you hate it or you just kind of go, yeah, you know, it's all right. But one thing about yeah. it, regardless, is this thing 80s? 
100% 80s. And I still have to say, you know, even though I think maybe structurally it's a weak, it's weak in some places, <laughs> ILM, Industrial Light and Magic, mm, man, they did yeah, some incredible absolutely. work in this movie, mm, man. Yeah. So, uh, whether, whether, like you say, Rick, whether you like this film or not, yeah, if you didn't have um, Howard the Duck, you might not have had films like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which came out in the early 90s. Yep. With, I'm just saying with the special effects, not not the story in any sort of way, but um, it really did. Uh, it was like a stepping stone for that type of animatronics. Yep. When you yeah. look at the Howard the Duck suit, I mean, you can't, you cannot deny that suit. I think it's I think it's one of the great parts of the movie. Yeah, I mean, I, it was definitely groundbreaking, and and I think again, it, it there's just something facially that made him look so kid friendly that you know that was kind of a divisive part, but. You have to admit, I mean, the animatronics are, are pretty amazing. And I saw a thing on YouTube, you can look it up, where the guy's got the actual head, and he's showing you the inside of it and how it all worked. And uh, pretty wild, man. Uh, this movie is directed by Howard Hewick, I believe is his name. Uh, yeah. Who Which sounds a bit like Howard the Dark. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Willard, Willard Hewick. And, uh, and uh, he... Was a co-writer, did a lot of stuff. He, matter of fact, he co-writ, yes. co-written uh, American Graffiti, uh, Temple, Temple of Doom. Of Doom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Best Defense. I don't know if you ever saw that or not. but Well, that's the film that came out before this, and I don't think that did very well either, did Yeah, it, it kind of flopped, too. But, uh, yeah. but he directed a movie that I'm really a fan of. It came out in 73 called Messiah of Evil. It's a horror flick. And uh, trust you to love a film like that, Rick. <laughs> you know, and, and I actually really like that one. So it's like, wow, I didn't know that this could be the same guy. Has uh, I got, got a caveman and a cyborg and a ninja in the <laughs> it? Well, it could. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it does. Um, oh, of course, it. Howard is played by Ed Gale, who's a little mm. dude. Who? Uh, that's right, folks. This guy was Chucky's stunt double. Now think about that. Yeah, <laughs> the walking, the walking Chucky in all those films. Right. He's also in a film that you like as well, Rick. Um, Phantasm. Oh yeah, Phantasm Two. He played one of the dwarfs in that. Oh, God damn <laughs> oh, I thought he was the tall man. <laughs> Boy, but yeah, you think about that, man. It's like, yeah, man, I'm a stunt double for a robot. <laughs> <Soul> man. <laughs> <laughs> and like we said, I mean, just you know, this thing was lining up. This was this was going to take Leah Thompson, who was already popular. And put her through the roof. This was going to be her big breakthrough, or at least she thought. Uh, you had early Tim Robbins. You had Jeffrey Jones, who's great in anything he's in. Uh, and, and the music is done by Thomas Dolby. So, I mean, it had all, so much going for it. It's just a yeah. shame that it, it kind of felt like it did. But let's put all that aside, and let's just take a walk through this thing, man. So uh, the movie opens up. It starts off with Howard arriving home, and you don't really see him. It's just showing typical stuff. He walks in. This is the duck planet that he lives on. And uh, everything's ducks, man. I mean, you know, he's uh, turning on the TV. Splash dance. Splash, splash dance is a poster of, a, you know, the same kind of silhouette, but they got a, a duck bill, you know. Uh, like you said, the Raiders poster that's over there. Yeah. Um, and, and Rick, can I just quickly say, it's the other thing it's got going for it as well is John Barry. Yes, it's got John. It's got a John Barry score. Doing the scoring well, it? on yep. top of all this, and it's just it's yeah. just bizarre. Uh, it should have been just knocked out of the park. So yeah, I mean, he, he comes home, he throws his keys down, he sets his 
clothes down. It's like he just came home from work. Or his jacket sits <laughs> down. Checked his answering machine. And he's got some messages on there. And uh, <laughs> and I think this is an early sign right here of what you're in for. Because on the TV he's watching and there's a it's a <laughs> jock itch commercial yes. with ducks. <laughs> Stay <Stave of> fungus. <laughs> <laughs> so, Don't forget the crazy webby, man, where his prices are insane. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was a, a, a kind of an... Uh, an American icon back at that time. Commercials came on. Mm-hmm. RJ, uh, this guy that was right. selling stuff. My prices uh-huh. are insane. You know that kind of thing. Okay. Uh, in the movie UHF, uh-huh. they kind of made fun of that too, where the guy says, "If you don't come down and buy a car, I'm going to club this baby seal." That's right, because I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so they're playing off of that kind of mindset. I like it. Yeah. Uh, so he's sitting there watching TV. He turns the TV off because he can't find anything he want to watch, and then he opens up a uh, Play Duck. <laughs> Not a playboy, oh, a right, play yeah. duck. Yeah, and, you, know, you know, he says something. Um, he says that they've been airbrushed. Oh, she's, right. oh, she's been lovely. I, I, did they have airbrushing then? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, they did. Okay. That's oh, kind of famous. Where... Like touched up pictures of the playboy with airbrush, yes. Yeah, oh, they did. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, that's kind of where all that really started coming out that all that stuff was being you know kind of prefabricated kind of stuff i just thought maybe it was a you know sort of like a pre sort of looking into the future type thing like robocop but yeah no they they were actually doing it back then it was pretty pretty much okay yeah yeah yeah. uh let's see uh from there he's he's looking at his play duck and all of a sudden an earthquake kind of happens and he goes flying in his chair I mean, pretty much uh, this, his chair he's sitting in kind of just goes up in the air, starts flying through walls. And when he does, <laughs> he's going through other apartments. You know, there's a couple that's in bed. <laughs> Good night, honey. You know, and you see him fly through there. Uh, but yeah. Then you get the uh, the naked uh, duck in the bathtub and, you know, like, like Gary was saying. Like, like you do. <laughs> <laughs> like you do, yeah. You get the, uh, yeah, the, the, the duck boobs going on. <laughs> yeah, how do we explain yeah. this one it's hard I'm enough to explain sure real PG. ones <laughs> this was pg wasn't it i think it was it yeah. wasn't pg-13 so let's say in 1986 you got loads of families running out of cinema three minutes into this movie <laughs> uh, so you got and then it just turns into howard flying through space in his chair and you get your opening credits of howard the duck and uh he comes to earth gets separated from his chair a little bit but uh Ends up landing in Cleveland, Ohio, kind of outside of just a junky alleyway or alleyway, and uh, we get our '80s post-apocalyptic gang, <laughs> or that's how they're dressed, anyways. You know, so we're coming through it's that like the '80s. Return of the Living Dead gang, was it? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, this is what they thought that uh, you know the future was going to look like. So uh, they grab Howard, and like you do when you're a gang. And you're mischievous. You take him in a club. <laughs> and, yeah, and like I say, at this point, no one's going. Oh my god, it's a duck who can talk. Right. This, you know, humanoid duck. No. <laughs> so they grab him, Crazy. take him in the club, and uh, they kind of give it to this guy. Hey, man, we found your date. You know, it's kind of a joke. And then the bouncer sees him and throws him out. And what's funny here is, you know, the bouncer throws him out because he basically says no animals or whatever. But uh, you can hear the guy in the background, hey, that was my date. <laughs> yeah. He's really excited about it, too. 
I'm going to go through this movie, but what you notice with Howard is that he actually gets dragged all the way through this movie yeah. at different points, you know what I mean? But we'll, we'll go into that later. But you, there is, you can notice that he's been pulled from pillar to post yeah. as yeah. the movie goes along. Oh, that's that thing. He's oh. supposed to be the everyday man kind of thing, you know, the, the unlikely hero kind of deal. Kind of like what we talked yeah. about with Indy, kind of like what we talked about with Jack Burton. Well, that's right, yeah. And maybe that's the George Lucas influence here or something um, with that. But. Well, we get drugged into the club, though, there's a band in there playing. And uh, Leah Thompson is the leader of this band, and they're rocking out. Kind of sound like this. Did you notice the same thing as me? They're like playing with a fence in front of them. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's crazy. What's is a fence? There? Was that to stop people from running onto the stage? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that was. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of your. That's always a sign of a rougher bar back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you go back to watching like the Blues Brothers, they yeah. uh, chicken wire, chicken wire, man. You put it up around there so that way when they, a lot of places. Now this is this is true stuff. I mean, there's uh, back in the day, especially in the punk business, if they like you, they spit on you <laughs> when you're playing. Right. You know, so there's that kind of thing. But it got even more aggressive in America because you know they like to drink so much, so they would throw their drinks at you. So the chicken wires to keep from drinks and stuff like that to come flying and hit you. I like this scene of the movie, and it kind of reminded me of um, the beginning of Streets of Fire yep. with uh, Diane Lane. It kind of had exactly. the same sort of tone to it. Yeah, same, same kind of, of setup for sure. Same sort of setup. Yeah. I know Gary's not a fan of that one either. So. Oh, never. No. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying that Howard's taken on the Michael Perry character in that code either. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? They they are, they are both kind of assholes though. But like you said, un, uh, un, unlikely heroes, I guess. Right. Exactly. <laughs> You've got this kind of punkish rock scene going on, and mm. the music is anything but punk. And matter of fact, like I said, it's Thomas Dolby writing the songs, and you can hear it. You know, it's it's super eighties pop. You know, which is fine. You know, but uh, it's just weird that you're taking this image and you're putting it with this sound. It's like, uh. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. weird, uh-huh. you know. Yeah, uh, I know she's singing, but they're not playing the instruments, are they? Well, they're they're fakely playing the instruments. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. that's not quite Bonaduce esque, you know, that bad. Exactly. But, uh, yeah. Yes. But uh, how many things are? Well, this is going on. Howard's outside, and then Satan sluts show up. <laughs> that's that's what you want, Satan sluts. That's right. Let's just throw them into this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Howard falls on front of one of the bikes. You know, he's getting knocked around all over the place, and that's the other thing too. It's like, is he real lightweight because he's a duck? Is he mostly just feathers? So it's easy to just like pop him, and he flies like a chicken or a duck would, or. <laughs> You know, there's there's a lot of things you just kind of look at, and it messes with your head because you're trying to figure it out. But anyways, one of them knocks Howard off the front of the bike, and it knocks him right into a trash barrel. And we get our first kind of, mm, I don't want to say crappy line, but first kind of cheesy line. How about that? Where Howard says, Talk about a rotten day. 
Uh, and that's all he's got to say after he's been thrown across the universe. <laughs> yeah. Another planet is just, yeah. Yeah, I know he's a dog, but oh, I'm having a rotten day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And again, it's just, about it. it's just trying to keep it light, I guess. And that may yeah, be something yeah, that yeah, came yeah, straight yeah, out of the comic right. back in the day, you know? Yeah. So there's so many question marks about some of this stuff. So And they're oh, all actually, they're all comic references in here, I noticed. Yeah. And then after that, the uh, club is shut down. Beverly comes outside, and she gets attacked by a couple of upstanding citizens from Cleveland. Yeah, and, a couple uh, of inept uh, robbers, aren't they, from the 80s? Right, <laughs> exactly. And uh, while that's going on, Howard's tr- still sitting there in the barrel, and he's had enough. Howard jumps up, uses his quack-foo, runs these idiots off, and uh, now we're friends for life. <laughs> Yeah, this is the other thing. He has a he has a quack foo fight, and it's all very well choreographed. Don't get me wrong, but it's got a he's got a John Barry, a Western, or something like that. About twenty years ago, you know, yeah. it, it does for me that that soundtrack didn't quite go with what he was doing in that part of the movie. Yeah. I don't know about you guys. Uh, that was just the fact that he that he's using quack foo is all I was focusing on. So <laughs> yeah, 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 that's it. That's a, but like I say, that's a bizarre thing with this movie, isn't it? It just gets yeah. you thinking in so many different directions. The quack foo makes you think of the generic hero music. You need that in your life, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah. So I think it's just again, it just it adds to the wonderment of this film because it's mm. like it it should work, and it, at this point, it just still. It's, it's like it's yeah. missing something. I don't know what it is. That's right. That's what I said earlier with this film. It's only six degrees out from working, and I think it's, it's like that all the way through the movie, isn't it? But that, that does, at this point, this is where they're going to kind of go their separate ways, and RJ kind of brought this up, and I got this little sound bite for this. This is basically where you got some music playing that uh, kind of simulates where, you know, Howard's kind of off to himself, and Leah's about to go to the house, or Beverly's going to her house. And she kind of feels sorry for him. And you get this piece of music. And this again, this is Thomas Doby working his magic. And you've got a little Stevie Wonder playing some harmonica here, too. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's actually a pretty cool tune. Yeah. <laughs> I really enjoyed this part of the movie. It's only a little part. It's the introduction between Howard and Beverly. And I just like the way you got that bit of music that came in yep. in the background and it just it just made everything work. So yep. this little part of the movie was great. I just thought everything is good about this point and it's very 80s as well. Yeah. It's a very good combination of um, like the music with what they're trying to tell you in the story. So, yeah, it got 10 out of 10 for me, that bit. Yeah, well, you know, it's got that, again, that, that uh, MTV age kind of mm. kind of thing going on here. And, yeah, and, absolutely. You're doing the storytelling yeah. through song kind of deal, and, and, and it works. I agree. And that's that thing. Yeah. This movie just kind of weaves in and out. You kind of get out of the box a little bit, and then you come back in and go, okay, this is this part's really good. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. And then uh, from there, she offers him a place to stay. He comes and stays with her, and... <laughs> we're at Bev's house and she's trying to accommodate and it's not going too well. He's he's still upset. He's been taken away from his home. He don't know where he's at. He's up here with these, you know, featherless creatures. And uh <laughs> Howard has <laughs> 
Howard has a flashback all of a sudden. He thinks there's another earthquake, and he thinks it's going to happen all over again. Yeah. And he freaks out. There's a, there's a truck that goes by, yeah. doesn't it? And the, the sofa shakes. He's going, oh, my God, it's happening again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rick, so, I'll just step in one very quickly, just before we got to this scene, when he's talking to Bev, and he goes, where am I? And she goes, I'm in Cleveland. He goes, where the hell is that? <laughs> she goes, <laughs> right. But she comes out and says, um, it's, it's on Earth. I think. <laughs> it's just about she goes, I think. Like, what, what, where else is he going to be? Like, you know, so. But yeah, no, it's just another funny moment in this movie. Yeah. But yeah, going back to that safer, mate. Oh, dear. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, and she's, you know, she's trying her best to, to just accommodate, you know. Again, she feels sorry for him. But he's he's a little rough around the edges right now. He's a little upset. And Howard's wanting some answers of what's going on here, but... He, he he ends up just kind of collapsing over there on the side and, and falls asleep. And just mm. like every good Samaritan would do, you go through their wallet. <laughs> <laughs> it's such an awkward scene. Yeah. It? Yeah. The and uh, and you what's know, she find in the wallet? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and this is that thing where it's like, well, how much is enough? It was one thing to have, you know, membership cards to Ducks Club or whatever, but. You know, when you pull out the money and it's American-looking money and he's got a duck bill on George Washington, it's like, come on. <laughs> That's a little too <laughs> cheesy. But, uh, you know, to top that off, she finds a duck condom. Yes. <laughs> Unwrapped, you know. Unwrapped. He's ready for, he's ready for action. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not even going to go into the questions of how does a feathered creature... <laughs> Put one of these on, but anyways. <laughs> I'd imagine in the world of Howard the Duck, it's kind of like a dog with a red rocket. You know, it becomes exposed, and we get even more grosser poopy than we have already. <laughs> oh man! Oh dear, man! So, so anyway, that joke's move, all. I'm sorry. <laughs> moving on from that awkwardness. <laughs> Coming out. Moving along. <laughs> Uh, moving out of that, we go into... teach you for going through my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, the next morning, we're uh, she's she's decided that she wants to, uh, you know, show him to some friends to try to get some answers or get some help. So we're in a taxi, and he's just in a he's in a glad bag. I mean, <laughs> so people won't see him. Just, just put him in a big garbage sack, and he's just oh, sitting dear. there going, "This is embarrassing," you know. It's like. Why even do that? I mean, <laughs> yeah, and the taxi driver's looking around going, what the hell's going on there? <laughs> uh, so they end up going oh, to the Science Museum, and this is where we meet Tim Robbins. Yeah, there's something wrong with Filzy, man. Filzy is a little over the top, but, uh, you know, this is early Tim Robbins. I, I love Tim Robbins. Uh, I don't know if I love him in this one, but I love Tim Robbins. <laughs> He's a, he's a, was he trying to be a paleontologist, didn't he? And uh, right. he, he puts on a great ventriloquist act as well, didn't he? Right. <laughs> when you meet him. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I do like the scene, even though it's really kind of mm. stupid. But uh, he starts, mm-hmm. like, examining him. And we get a scene where he's, like, checking him to see if he has any superpowers. And it kind of goes like this. We don't have here on Earth any, Why? shall we say... Mm-hmm. Superpowers. Howard! Mm-hmm. Can you bend this? <laughs> what are you, crazy? Howard! You, can you burn a hole through this with some kind of 
eye laser? Can I bite your nose off with my super bill? Howard, quit holding out. I want you to concentrate and read my mind. Right. You're thinking, they know I'm a phony. They know I'm a yo-yo. <laughs> Tell me if I'm warm on any of these, Phil. <laughs> so you you start to get the 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 attitude, you know, the 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 personality that Howard kind of has here. He's he's a little on edge. <laughs> <laughs> he, he has that attitude all the way through the movie, doesn't he? And, yeah. Um, but it, it works as well. I well, and, and he's supposed to. Too. You know, he's supposed to. Mm. I mean, that ties back to the comic. And, uh, you know, that's kind of his thing. He's kind of a wisecracker. <laughs> Quacker. He's a wisecracker. Wisecracker, yes. <laughs> and at this point, you know, Howard's just had enough. He ends up getting upset and he runs out. Of course, we got some, some things that happen there that I just don't think are even really worth talking about. But when he's looking mm. at the, you know, the history of man and he, they do the, the other one that's the history of you know, talking ducks and it has the graph. I'm like, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's kind of lame. But uh, Howard runs out and <laughs> out front there's a water fountain. He gets up there and he's <laughs> he's carrying on and everybody starts rushing up because, you know, here's this talking duck thing. And he, and he scares the kids off. <laughs> and he just wants to be left alone. I think this part's pretty fun. You got the guy that's sitting there that's uh eating his lunch or whatever and he's like just taking it all in you know <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing is some people look like they're scared of him and other people are kind of accepting him aren't they sure. you know he's just well, there's, there's two types of people out on the street right at that point in there but yeah uh yeah. at this point he says he wants to be left alone he's gonna do it on his own and uh first thing he decides to do is he needs to get a job so oh, uh he goes to the unemployment office, and the lady that's going to be his, I don't know, person that finds him the job, just isn't buying it. I mean, I think she's uh, seen this kind of stuff before and thinks he's just trying to keep from having to find a job dressed that way. So that's, I think that's the other thing that really kind of messes with this movie is you got some people that see him that, yeah, you know, that, right. okay, it's a talking duck, and other people that act like... Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know what you're doing. Like, you're just a person dressed up. So it's like, I know what they were trying to do. I just don't think they did it well. You know? That's my only plot with that. But we get this scene where he goes in to find a job, and uh, we get this conversation. Whatever you is. In fact, I think I got just the position for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You got to take to this job like a duck to water. <laughs> so there he goes you go. To go bite, he goes to go bite her ass. I can't stop laughing every time. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. She bends over and she's she's a healthy old girl, too. And he's like, yeah. yeah. She is. <laughs> uh, so and I, he's got a job at a romantic spa, hasn't he? That's what he was saying. So, oh, and, and again, this, it, you know, these scenes feel like a kid's movie. But then it'll turn around and do something that's not a kid's. It's just like it's just, mm-hmm. just kind of all over the place. Uh, but it's still fun. I mean, it's it's still fun to to, to go through this. Uh, 
uh, we go uh, <laughs> Howard gets his job. It's just like this. You're going to go straight out of that into Howard gets a job at basically a massage parlor. <laughs> you know? That's it. Uh, he comes out and goes, it must be mating season. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got oh, naked God. people running around everywhere. You got, you know, it, it, there's no doubt what's going on in this place. <laughs> I think you might, is it the boss who works here? He goes, yeah. He just comes out and goes, I need a sleazy duck to go and clean that pool. <laughs> <laughs> I picks him up and chucks him in the water. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, picks him up and tells him to fi- fix the leak in the hot tub. And, of course, that's when we find out that Howard says he can't swim. <clears throat> so here we go. We, we got a duck from a duck planet that can't swim. So, uh, And then when he gets out and <laughs> you get the owner over close to the mud bath, I, I'm assuming that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> Howard uh, uses his quack foo again and just kicks the owner right in the mud and quits his job. So, and this owner's a real class act too, man. I mean, he's wearing right, the... right, right before he pulls a bra out of that tub of mud. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it looks like it looks like split pea soup, but I'm not hungry at all for watching this. It's just yeah, right. yeah, it's nasty for sure. Uh, but yeah, man, the dude's like wearing this leisure suit, you know, with the plaid print. It's just like, and he's looking at Howard like, man, what a hard looking person, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Howard yeah. quits his job, and uh, Howard's back out on the streets. And while he's on the streets, he sees a, like a, a store that has some TVs up in the window for sale, and. Ironically, all at the same time, they all have duck stuff on them at the same time. Just saying. That's how this movie rolls. Uh, you got a show that's doing duck hunting, and you get Daffy Duck on another station, and you got uh, <laughs> Duckaroni, the uh, yes. whatever. It's not San Francisco East, Street. <laughs> It'd be somewhere else, I guess. Something about <laughs> East, East, West or something like that, they say. <laughs> East, East, West in this tasty treat. Right. Duckaroni. Yeah, not like you say, just randomly, all at the same time. Right? Yeah, you know, just was just random. <laughs> yeah. And again, that's a setup that would be like in a kids type movie, you know. Mm. That's what I'm saying. It's just it's so weird, but uh, you know, it's all showcasing that hey, we don't treat ducks like people here. We treat them like ducks, you know. Mm. And uh, so that kind of alarms him, and he kind of panics and takes off, and he ends up running right back to where he first landed by accident, I think. It doesn't really imply anything there, but it's like he comes back to where it all started. Lo and behold, Beverly's playing at the bar again. So he decides to go in there, maybe try to right some wrongs where he was, you know, kind of touting, I don't need you, I can do this myself kind of thing. So he goes back in there, and uh, when the band's playing, Howard sees the manager of the band, Ginger, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's his name, yeah. And uh, he's with the earrings, I yeah. Remember. And he's working up a deal with these these guys. I don't know if they own the club or what, but uh, he's he's working out this deal of he he keeps the band's money. The band's not making anything, so this guy's a terrible manager. Mm. And uh, Howard's sitting there right beside him. He hears the whole conversation. He decides that uh, he's going to speak up and say, "Hey, I suggest you give me the money, and I'll give the money to the girls. So I want the money." So it turns to this kind of quarrel of, you know, he knows that he's doing them wrong. And Howard's just trying to do the right thing. Well, one of the guys picks up Howard and slides him all the way down the bar like you would find in an old Western film. And uh, <laughs> Howard gets back up, comes back down, and just 
beats the snot out of these guys <laughs> with his quack food. And no, no point here is anybody saying, "Oh my god, I'm fighting a duck." What the hell's going on? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just exactly. Was, again, this, this this group has accepted that this is a duck. Yeah, it's all duck, and it's they, they also accept space rabies is a thing too. Ginger's actually got Howard down on the ground or down on the bar. Like holding him down, he grabs an ice pick and he's gonna try to jab Howard in the face, I guess. So there goes your, you know, kid-friendly movie out the window. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then Howard somehow gets away from him, gets up, and he's got the ice pick. He's got Ginger on the ground or on the bar, and he takes the ice pick and does kind of the same thing, and it goes right through. You know, Ginger's got this hoop earring on, and he tells him, he says, I'm, "I put a hole in your other ear with this ice pick," you know, and. uh <laughs> At this point, Ginger gives Howard the money, and Howard tells him, hey, you're no longer the manager, and they're all going to gang up on him and stuff, and that's when he tells them that, uh, you know, if you mess with him, he'll bite you and you'll get space rabies, <laughs> which kind of sounds like this. Stick back, I bite your face. You're a dead man, Ginger. What are you talking about? Space rabies. Richie, is that a real disease? I don't know, Ginger. I heard something about that on the news. That's right. Space rabies. Yeah, one bite. And it's agonizing death for 15 seconds. Bite, bite, bite. <laughs> <laughs> so the great thing oh, about God. Howard, he is... Someone pretty, saw it on TV. He's a pretty good alley. What's funny, is that guy that's saying that? I don't know, man. I heard something about it. He's actually in uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He's one of the two guys that uh, take the car. You know, they're parking the cars. And they take off in the... In the, the oh, well, he's in a lot of great films, actually. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's do the right thing, right? Yeah, yeah. So you see that dude pop up from time to time. I, 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 I love that guy. <laughs> uh, so coming out of that, Howard gives the money to the band. He meets him backstage, and then uh, you know he kind of writes the wrong. And Bev says, "Hey, you need a place to stay." Yeah, absolutely. Uh, during this, Tim Robbins. Getting up good soon, don't we? <laughs> Tim Robbins shows back oh, up. That's right. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know if he's just got an ulterior motive when he shows up or if he's just there to hang out with the band. But, you know, out of nowhere, he decides that uh, he needs to get a feather off of off of Howard. He said that they've got something that would be a match and they're needing something to conf- confirm that it's actually Howard's feather, I guess. So mm-hmm. he just pulls out these tongs out of nowhere because <laughs> everybody just carries tongs with them everywhere <laughs> you go. And... Uh, he uh, chases Howard down and pulls a tail feather out. And uh, <laughs> then he just takes off. <laughs> just like that. And then uh, we cut back to, uh, from that point, we go back to Bev's house. And this is where <laughs> Howard's jamming out, right? He uh, sees the pianos and stuff over here. And he, start, he turns on the drum machine. And he starts playing this song. She's like, oh, that's pretty good. He's like, yeah, it's just something I've been working on. <laughs> <laughs> And then I imagine, it, I imagine at this point, this is where Gary's going to kind of take over because, uh, you know, yeah. Bev, Bev comes back out. Lee Thompson. Yeah, she comes back out and uh, she's uh, she's ready for bed, right, Gary? I saw this when I was about when I was about nine years old, and I think this is officially where my balls dropped as a child. So <laughs> pu- puberty comes early with this movie. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, uh, and, and and there's no, I mean, it's. You know, she purposely crawls across the bed, so you pretty much just get a a shot. You know, again, this movie's just mind-boggling. Of where is it going? Where's the line with this? Howard jumps up into bed with her. She says, "Hey, come up here. We'll watch David Letterman." This is where Howard uh, 
starts getting a little little frisky, and then uh, Beth kind of, you know, she causes bluff on it. We got a scene where a, a duck and Bev are kissing, and the show gets silent. <laughs> you, don't see, you don't see it directly. You you see it in the shadows of our. It's a silhouette. It's the yeah. Sheets there. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but still, <laughs> you know. But uh, it's still, hey. still bestiality in all fifty-two states, people. Okay? Absolutely, still bestiality. And then, uh, even just as shocking as and ironic was the fact of three scientists just come in their place. You know, without knocking, or <laughs> they just walk in her apartment. It's like, uh, mm-hmm. wow. Jeffrey Jones turns up, doesn't he? From Jeffrey Jones. First Beavis Day Off, isn't it? Again, another, yeah. another guy. This is where we meet Dr. Jennings, and he kind of explains how he thinks Howard got here. And I've got a bite of that. That way we can kind of, I don't have to explain it. What do you mean, lost control? Some unknown force was redirecting the laser beam from its original target so that it hit your planet instead. Hit my planet? How about hit my living room? Talk about an invasion of privacy. When the beam hit, you must have been caught up in a massive energy inversion which literally dragged you through space back to the power source here on Earth. Radical. In the lab that night, we saw a single feather fall. So they've got the feather there. So it's showing that, you know, the feather that they had actually did belong to Howard. Howard actually just landed in another location. So, and there you go. It's a big laser scope that they're using. And, you know, no real explanation of what we're doing with this thing. We're just shooting a big laser in space. Because that's so what they we just do. chucked that in the movie just that's, to make it work, haven't that's, they? Yeah, that's what Americans purpose. do for fun. You know, we just yeah. build big lasers and say, hey, let's just shoot this towards that planet and just see what happens. <laughs> yeah. And Jeffrey Jones as a character in this movie is probably about the most helpful you're going to see him at this point. Because <laughs> in all the other movies I've ever seen him in, he's, he, I think he plays either the, the school principal in Ferris, doesn't he? Or yeah. he was in Beetlejuice. But it, it, at this moment, moment you think he's actually playing a nice guy isn't he trying to help him out <laughs> but obviously that all changes later on doesn't it but yeah yeah i mean and, and that's realistically that's what makes the movie for me but so now howard obviously wants to go back to the lab and say hey just just throw this thing in reverse right send me back boom we're done right it's kind of like ash campbell in you know army of darkness hey so uh i'll get the book you say the words and i'll just go back right that kind of deal. Clatu Veralta. Necktie. Not every little syllable. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't say them all, but basically. Yeah. Uh, so he wants to go back, and so we get a, a ride where we're all loaded up in a van, and, uh, you know, we get another line that just, to me, just makes me kind of cringe when I hear it. But <laughs> It kind of goes like this. Bev, I'm not a real sentimental guy. No. I bet you were born from a very hard-boiled egg, Ducky. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's, it's, to me, it's that stuff that just hurts me, man. It's almost too ridiculous. But, uh, anyways. <laughs> I understand. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a bad joke, you know, but yeah, it's, it's here. It's one of those things where it's, it's almost like they tried too hard. Everywhere they could find a spot, let's stick a little duck joke here, a little duck joke there. It, it doesn't need it, you know. And I, I, th- I think, that's, that, again, that's kind of what hurts the thing. But anyways, get back to it. We go to Dynatechnics, right? Is that the name of the place? 
Sounds legit. Yeah, this <laughs> is legit. I didn't catch the name of it. I just called it an American Diner. But I, yeah, is that the name of it? Okay. Yeah. yeah, I think it's right. And you know, they get there and there's no guard at the check. So the, the 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 railing is up. You can just drive in, <laughs> and I love this when they get inside, and they're yeah. you know they're going through all the security stuff, and then all of a sudden this dude jumps out who's been all burned up. <laughs> oh, it's terrible! We shouldn't be messing with nature. I mean, he's he's saying all these things oh, yeah, that are yeah. so obvious that you don't have to say these things. You know, we know something went wrong. <laughs> But the laser has exploded, and it hit Dr. Jenning in the process. And uh, then it cuts away to where the cops kind of show up. They want to know what's happening. You get a detective that comes in, and he's like, have you got all the stuff together? Yeah, but we got this thing. We, we don't, we're not sure about this thing. Well, what's this thing? Well, he walks in. They've got Howard in custody. And, again, the detective thinks it's a costume. So he has the cops strip him down. And obviously, when they get down to his his underwear, you know, there's no zipper, you know, and uh, so, you know, you you keep getting these run into things where we're confusing, <laughs> you know, facts from real. Which I have to say, you know, when they stripped him down, it's like, okay, you know, that that actually effects wise, it doesn't look too bad. So, mm-hmm. but uh, so now they're, uh, you know, well, sorry we did this, but cop escorts him out, and <laughs> we get the cigar scene. Where uh, not like Bill Clinton, but you know it's. Uh, <laughs> Dang. Is this the, is this the one where Howard puts the cigar into the bin? Yeah, yeah. To so, get away. Did you know? Did you notice what the the the, the, the cop does? It, it's like oh, there's a there's a cigar. He just sort of reach his hand, does he? He just like puts yeah. his whole body into the whole bin. Exactly. Just to soak it out. Yeah. And again, it, what the it's, hell? It's that's it's those things again that just yeah little things like that yeah. It's the things like that that. To me, hurt this movie. It'd be one thing if they reached down and just tried to reach and try to grab in there for one thing, but to stick your whole half of your body in there. (laughs) So this is how you get a cigar out of it. But Howard takes a fire. That's all. Yeah, but Howard, you know, has has a lit cigar, throws it in there, cop Mm. dives for it, and in the process of doing so, then Howard knocks him totally into the trash can, and then Bev gets his gun, and. And we get another great line where we hear "book 'em, ducko," <laughs> <laughs> which I don't know if I don't know if RJ is familiar with that catchphrase. Um, no, was it from a was it a movie reference? It's a or TV show called Hawaii Five O, and at the end of every episode, there was a, the main uh, investigator. He had a partner named Dano, and he'd always say "book 'em, right. Dano," so okay. it's "book 'em, ducko." So. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just a another random throw this in there, make it kind of funny thing. Yeah, uh, it's, all, it's almost like they've had about six or seven people people writing the script for this and they've just gone and just chuck all these little bits in and yeah, yeah. okay, we go with that. You know, it's yeah. just it's so random. Uh but oh, they're man. at this point they're kinda of hiding out and they hear the cops talking and they got one cop that's leading them all saying, Hey, you know, they get the we get an escape duck. <laughs> <laughs> with a gun so he's dangerous he's armed so shoot to kill so now we got instructions to shoot and kill Howard the Duck um, mm-hmm. and uh, they start doing a search for him and while they're hiding and they're sneaking around they run into Dr. Jennings so he didn't mm-hmm. die from the explosion and uh, he's not all there man he's just kind of wandering around and uh, they say hey we need to get out of here so they, they all jump in Dr. Jennings uh, car which is a jeep and uh, 
they bust through the back gate on the lot. <laughs> uh, Stoz might be laugh. It's a bit rich. Oh, yeah. Um, is it where he's driving, isn't it? And Dr. Yeah. Jen, is it this point when Dr. Jennings is trying to say, I am turning into something. My <laughs> yeah. body's changing. And then Howard just goes, what are you talking Wait, What, like a sex change or something like that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, the, the, uh, whole, a, the whole ride thing I thought was pretty well done. I mean, it, it was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a, but that Doc's was a fun not bit. really able to drive. I mean, he's he's mm. changing. So what happened was when this laser, what they were doing with the laser actually brought down something, and it got in his body, and it's taking over his body. But they end up stopping and just bumping the glass at a restaurant, which, again, I just think is kind of pointless. But the car stops at Joe, Ra- Joe Rama's Cajun Sushi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was it. Yeah, that, that's a bit I got. I thought they went too early before. But I was a little bit ahead of myself there. But yeah, this bit is this the one where everybody's dressed up like the Karate Kid? They're like Karate Kid here, but yeah. cowboys at the yeah. same time, you know? Right? That's it. Yeah, with with the Duck Hunters are in there as well, weren't they? Right, and you got uh, oh, you know people, you know, people with headbands and country music playing. So you know, yeah. <laughs> Cajun sushi. So yeah, it's just a, one of the weirdest combos ever. Yeah, it's weird. it really is. Uh, is this a diner for you in Tennessee, Rick? No, no, the weirdest one I ever seen was a it was a Mexican restaurant and Chinese restaurant, and it was a it was a buffet, but it was all mixed. <laughs> right. We did. <laughs> I did see one of those once. I was like, this is really bizarre. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, you get uh, the typical thing again at a at a place of business where they say no mm. pets. And he's like, what do you mean? You ever ever heard of a seeing eye duck? You know, so again, yeah. just, I don't know, low-hanging fruit jokes here. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And at this point, you get the uh, doc is really starting to change here. And mm. Man, I love all this. I, I love I love Jeffrey Jones in this movie. Because he just, does, he does play very well. Yeah, he does. Well, changing, he, he, changing the voice he, and all that stuff. I think it's yeah. a lot of fun, man. It's a bit like the Revenge of the Ninja, isn't it? Like we said the other week, with <laughs> someone turning into a demon, isn't it? Like an exorcism or something like that, isn't it? <laughs> but what, like I said earlier, he is trying his best to tell Bev and Howard, yeah. I am turning into the bad guy. Right. That's what he's trying to say, isn't it? Oh, it's yeah. taking over my body, and they're just not getting it. Oh, like, it's what? Right. No, you're all right. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, he says he's he's the dark overlord of the universe. Yeah, and uh, they're like, yeah, okay, <laughs> sure. Yeah, can I? Where, where's me? Uh, where's my pancakes? I'm still waiting for those. Yeah, right. it's just, oh and when they do bring them, and that's another scene too, because they bring Howard the food, and he's really mm. upset because you know they gave him fried eggs. You know that kind of bothered him. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, not the fact that Jeffrey Jones or Doctor Jennings turned into something. It's like, oh my god, the eggs. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... And then uh, Doc blows up the condiments. <laughs> Mm. Uh, Just uh, yeah, for fun, you know. Uh, best it, commercial for Heinz ketchup ever. <laughs> Which is probably why we use plastic containers now, because yes, Dr. Jennings, you know, blowing up stuff. So don't don't let no dark overlords in your restaurant, man. They fuck so, your shit up. You you get a whole <laughs> lot of information right here too, because you're mm. going from him being the dark overlord, and I'm going to take over this laser, and I've got the code key right here, and so mm. what his plan is is he's going to go back and bring. A whole bunch of dark overlords down to the planet and take over the planet. That's his purpose. So, mm-hmm. you know, when they turned the laser back on for the second time, instead of bringing a duck, they brought this evil force. And his plan is to bring a whole bunch of more evil forces. So you kind of get all this wrapped up in this diner scene. 
And from here, we get some just craziness. You get a, a redneck uh, pie fight. <laughs> I mean, and that's what I was thinking. I think it's a fight, but it's just a pie fight. Isn't it? It's, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's almost like the end of Bugsy Malone, isn't it? When they're having a pie fight right, at the end of the movie. Right. It's just oh, so random. <laughs> I can't believe you keep bringing up Bugsy Malone. That's pretty wild. <laughs> <laughs> This is what the, Rick, this is what this film does to me. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, so you get the rednecks fighting, then you get the crowd that uh, decide that they're going to take Howard and I, I guess cook him. I guess is the plan. But sh- while all that's going on, you you got Jennings sitting out here, and he's uh, he's really starting to change now. Man, his face is starting mm. to contort. Uh, his hair is starting to change. His teeth are changing. And he's glowing. <laughs> I, I think the Dr. Jennings makeups, like the, the you know, the prosthetics and stuff in this movie are highly underrated. Cause Man, as, as he evolves, you know, further and further, he just, yeah. it just gets better and better. You know what? Yeah, I'll totally agree there, Gary. Yeah. Here, here's where I'm on board. I think from right here on, I mm-hmm. really like this movie. You know, this is kind of where it changed for me. This is where I was really like, okay, I'm in, I'm in on this now. But yeah, mm-hmm. you know, when he's glowing and stuff, and they say, oh, look at him, he must have ate the chili. You know, so you're still yeah. doing those little jabs. You know, then you get the the whole flying meat cleaver scene, which I think is a lot of fun. You've got the pretty much the whole bar is back here in the in the the kitchen, and they've got Howard down, and they're about to kill him. And then, you know, we get this flying meat cleaver that's flying around, and it kind of runs everybody out of there. And they all come out front, and Jennings basically says, if you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. <laughs> and he just starts blow, blowing the place up. And uh, while all that's going on, uh, Howard and, and Bev are trying to sneak out. And, you know, this is the scene where you get the, the duck walk <laughs> again. <laughs> Just, I don't know, man. Just low-hanging fruit. It's like, let's get a group of writers together and let's just write down, let's write down everything that, you know, a duck does or a duck is known for or anything that has to do with the duck. And they just built the jokes around that and then wrote the story around those jokes. <laughs> I don't know what it's else. Like, yeah. That's what it they feels like. They put it like. into a snow globe and they chucked it all in there and just sort of everything's gone in there isn't it and it's yeah it's pretty much this whole movie isn't it as we said earlier that's the way it feels that's how it's running yeah yeah uh but anyways at this point this movie's awesome (laughs) yeah Uh, absolutely you probably have some real some real peril which is you know what you want right i guess and it would be like this yeah i mean i'd actually go to say that uh dr jennings or the dark overlord character could have done being in the movie a little bit earlier Sure. I think you could have done with both characters coming down yep. at the same time in different I, places. I think we kind of took mm. too long for the introduction and getting to know the characters, but that's pretty yep. typical with these kind of stories because you want to have that backstory so you care about these characters. Mm-hmm. So that's the only thing. I, I, it's just a little bit. Yeah. You know, again, you can see what they're trying to do. But uh, anyways, back to this. Uh, this is where they're trying to sneak out. And Dark Overlord sees them, and we get a little floating Howard here uh, to get the the code key, which has been kind of passed around. We're trying to keep it from getting to the hands of the Dark Overlord. And uh, so he makes Howard float up in the air just by pointing his hand at him. Cool stuff, man. I'm, again, the, the, the effects at this point are really stepping up. This is yeah. uh, top-notch I- ILM type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what I thought when I watched it. Yeah. yeah. It's good stuff. And then uh, Howard uh, falls to the ground, gets knocked out, 
and uh, Jenning takes Bev, and, and he's just going to kidnap her for some reason. Well, you, well, you see the moment in the truck. I'm sure we talk about in the next little while here. Where something <laughs> very phallic. I imagine <laughs> he needs some some action. You know, he just doesn't he tie does he tie up in some rope? It's yeah, it's a little later Probably on. some of the worst rope time I've ever seen in my life. You know, it's, it's probably the, the skinniest bit of rope that she's wrapped up in that she can untie herself. Yeah. It's, not, so it's it, supposed to be a dark overlord for crying yeah, out there. Dark overlord takes <laughs> Bev. They steal a semi-truck. He tries to run over Howard, and he ducks. <laughs> <laughs> that was my own little joke. No. Uh, <laughs> And this is the point where the Dark Overlord says he needs more energy. And (laughs) this ties exactly into what what Gary was saying. But all of a sudden, this, uh, like you said, I guess it's his tongue. Who knows what it really is? Oh, yeah. This reminded me of. Do you know what this reminded me of, Rick? Uh, I've got to say, first time in this show, Demons. Demons? Remember yeah. the beginning of Demons? Where that tongue comes out. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's what it reminded me of. Yeah. But in Demons, it didn't go uh-huh. and, and plug into a cigarette lighter. <laughs> no, it didn't. No. Taking Must heart. have been a good battery, man, is all I'm saying. <laughs> so, yeah, man. he's you know. So you're taking horror elements and you're still mixing it yeah, with this kind of humor. Me, you know, pops his tongue in there and he's getting a little extra jolt, which... Uh, Gives him more more energy. Now at this point, cop car shows up, and this goes all the way back to the the, the you know the explosion earlier, the laser. But uh, Philzy is in the back of a cop car, you know, in the back, so he's been arrested, I guess, or he's just being hauled around. But he's kind of stuck in the back of the car, and Howard is standing out here in this. It's almost he's like he's under a big is it a big duck or something like that? Is it a fiberglass duck? Is yeah, it's like big, it's like a big exhibit of you know farm, farm animals or something. Or something. Who knows? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I thought that was funny. And yeah, <laughs> so he's standing out there pretending that he's one of those things, and he's trying to yell at Philzy, and uh, he ends up going over and, and breaking him out of the, the cop car. And while that's going on, we cut back to to mm. Doctor Jenning, and he sees a nuclear plant. Yes, you know. Uh, yeah, again, I, I'm so on board at this point, man. Mm-hmm. So he swings that semi-truck into that how, that uh, nuclear plant and goes inside, and you get a lot of hustling and bustling here with some people inside. And he's dressed up like he works there. And, of course, you can see him. He looks like, he looks like complete death. But he's wearing a mm-hmm. suit like he belongs there. it's almost like Pee Wee Herman you know doing the tour at the Alamo it's that kind of thing you know there's no basement at the Alamo (laughs) and when everybody breaks breaks out of the way man he just breaks into the the nuclear reactor and gets Mm. juiced up again and he's on his own he's just (laughs) busting through concrete walls and it's great I love the look that he gives the the tour group. He had 1.21 gigawatts. Or what he says. Yeah. And then the guy's like, oh, off to the cafeteria. Everybody says. So, yeah. Reminds me of my favorite Phil Hartman roles ever in Sonny Marin and Axe Murderer, you know. Right. Mm. He, yeah, Jeffrey Jones is just making this work right here, man. It's just, it's rolling now. I think he's having a ton of fun with this, isn't he? Right. I think this great. And at this point, uh, this is where you you know they cut back inside the the truck, and this is yeah where where uh, Beverly is is tied up, and you know I don't know I guess if a, you're if you're an alien from outer space, do you really know how to tie somebody up with a rope? I don't know. Obviously not. It's just the ball string, isn't it? It's coming out of that, he runs back out to the truck, and I guess he just heads on down the highway like, yep, got what I needed. Uh, and while that's going on, you get uh, Philzy and Howard stealing. 
a power glider? I, I don't even know what you really call those things anymore. I think it's a mic. Is it a micro light? We call them micro lights over here. Yeah. I think it's called. I mean, yeah. it's basically a hang glider with a motor on it, you know? A hang glider. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But it, it, this is a really good scene. I like this bit. It's, <laughs> it's great. Yeah, trying to get it cranked and all this stuff. And, of course, Philzy's just a, you know, a dunce, you know. Whoops, didn't mean to do that. That kind of stuff going on. I think with this um, micro light, it can only get about two foot off the ground. I think it's supposed to fly through the air quite high, but you can only get it about two foot up. Well, <laughs> it's just you know, flying you, across. You have to know how to fly. I think that's the thing. Yeah. So we're dealing with a duck that obviously doesn't know how to fly either. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. because I already, you know, <laughs> it's probably it's, in fact, yeah. Now you mentioned it, it's probably the most realistic bit of the movie, isn't it? Well, you know, <laughs> the fact it, that it doesn't know how to fly. And I think it's that thing, too, of it goes back to even King Solomon's Mines, you know, where you put Sharon Stone yeah. in the plane and, you know, just hit the button, just hit those buttons. You know, he's just trying to figure it out. So it's almost that, that kid-like thing, you know. It's, it's the, I don't know what I'm doing, and I'm going to get killed. Yeah. I'm going to nearly get killed about 15 times, but I'm going to make it, you know. I know they're leaving in a rush and everything because the cops are there and yada, yada, yada. But Phil Philzy mentions that, that somebody's weekend hobby is going to save their butts. So obviously he knows how to build and fly this plane. So I'm going to let Howard fly it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's yeah. it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Don't yeah. know. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, but you kind of get a little revenge here because when they're flying, uh, uh, Howard buzzes some duck hunters that are out on the lake. So, you know, he gets his revenge on knocking these duck hunters out in the water and stuff because... They shouldn't be shooting ducks, you know. Mm. And uh, we cut back to Jennings again, and he's looking like Clint Howard at this point, man. He's looking pretty yes. rough. <laughs> Hair sticking way up, man. <laughs> and I absolutely love this scene, man. This is the road stop, right, where the cops <laughs> have the roadblock going on. And he pulls up in that semi, and he's bumping the cars, pushing them up. That whole thing is great, man. Uh, so I got a sound bite of that. Let's see if I push the right button here. I want to see your license, Jack. I have no license. <laughs> I am not Jack. <laughs> and at this point, uh, this is... <laughs> Where uh, he does a, a bigger explosion and gets all the cars that way, so lights start coming out of his eyes. Very uh, David Lopan kind of looking at this point, and uh, it blows up the line of cars, and then we get the line uh, <laughs> smog inspection. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm wonder, I, I, and I didn't catch it, but maybe that's what the cops were doing. Was this the smog inspection that was going on? They were just checking cars and all that kind of stuff, or were they actually looking for Howard the Duck, or were they looking for you know the you've had these recent explosions? You know, it doesn't really. Who give knows? You, yeah. Who knows, man? But oh, it is an dude. awful lot of fun. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so coming out of that, uh, you got the cops shooting at Howard. You know the cops are now chasing them. They're in the little little flight plane or whatever, and you get a whole bunch of shenanigans going on here, where cops are shooting and we're dodging things, we're missing bridges, we're keeping from crashing in the water. We got a gas line that's damaged because the cops are shooting. So Philzy's trying to fix the, the the gas line, and we're losing gas, so we're dropping down. Then it picks back up. So you got all these. Typical kind of things going on here. Phil, uh, Phil's he finally fixed the line, 
And then they do a loop to loop. <laughs> Which, you know, come on. Yeah, why well, wouldn't you want to do a loop to loop, right? <laughs> and then at that point, Philzy gets flipped to the kind of the underside of it, and Philzy's being drugged underneath. And Howard's dri- bragging on, wow, did you see that? We just did a loop to loop, and he can't find Philzy. And Philzy's being drugged underneath in the water and stuff. So, you know, just more 80s, funny kids' movie stuff. At this point, this is where Dark Overlord shows up back at uh, Dianetics, Dianetics, Dian, whatever it is. It's not Dianetics. <laughs> <laughs> Scientology. Scientology. Uh, he shows up at uh, at the place where the laser is. How about that? And uh, and Howard and them are just close on his heels too. So he's making his break to go inside, and Howard is trying to land the plane. The wind wings get knocked off, and they arrive at the same place, but they crash into a pond, and of course we get another "I can't swim" thing kind of going on. So, uh, but we've arrived at the location, and then Howard and Philzy makes their run to go in and try to stop everything from going on, and then you got Bev that's like strapped down underneath the laser as the next host uh, is kind of what I got out of that. You know, like he needs. Well, yeah, you, that's what they you, got. you get it, yeah. That um, she needs to be the host for all of his. His Dark Overlords. So it's imagine, imagine it's more sort of an intergalactic gangbang, you know, right. with these Dark Overlords. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's probably the way to go with in this film. Uh, oh, dear. So you're rising, you're arriving at the big uh, climatic ending here, where you know she's strapped down. It's kind of like your your woman in peril, kind of from you know all your typical you know saving the lady kind of thing, and. uh we go uh, to the def- defense research. So this is where Howard and Philzy go in here. And I believe this is the thing he was talking about that his buddy's been building to, to kind of, you know, help with this problem. They go in there. They, they have the wrong code. And Howard just round kicks the door and it busts open. Uh, again, I, I know I'm looking way too much into this, but if a woman on a motorcycle can smack him and he goes flying 50 feet into a trash can... How can Howard be strong enough to round kick big metal doors and they fly open? <laughs> because he because he planted his feet. That's why <laughs> he's okay. using, using yeah. his chi, right? <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> uh, good balance. <laughs> so what it is is there's a a prototype laser that one of uh, Philzy's friends has built that's in this in this room, and uh, what that's going on. You got uh, Dark Overlord. He's setting up the computer, ready to. to he's targeting the Nexus of Sominus. I guess that's where all the Dark Overlords live, to bring them down. And uh, so Phil explains what this thing is that they're going to use. It's called the Newton Disintegrator, and uh, of course uh, they mount it onto a Jeep-like a rover-type vehicle to to get it around the the facility, I guess. You know, Howard pushes the wrong button and it takes off speed around and it crashes. And uh, so it, it's that thing again of like Jack Burton throwing the knife. You know, the intentions are there, but you just don't know what you're dealing with and do things the wrong way. And then uh, at this point, man, you get some, man, this is just really, really, really good ILM stuff, man. Uh, Dark Overlord, man, just, I mean, the, the scene where he's standing there. And his hair goes forward. You can tell they just put a fan behind it to blow his hair. But the the <laughs> the, the red eyes uh, that just looks my, great, man. One of my favorite shots of the whole film is like there's a wide shot 
uh, where Dr. Jennings, well, Dark Overlord, is, is like staring down Howard on the cart there. And yeah. he does like this, this gunslinger move where he like whips his, his lab coat back, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that, I thought that was pretty neat. And then, of course, he spits because, you know, Clint Eastwood. Yeah. It just yeah. spits like, it's like, like acid. either acid or <laughs> yeah. like or, uh, or like super hot, whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, I, I just say it's a bit where he's he's having a fight, and he like um, David Lopan and yeah. Egg Chin, where they sort of got the lasers going in at each other. I just thought that's a little bit. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you got him shooting, little Chinese, man. Exactly, shooting the beams, and they're shooting the beam from the laser as well, and they're they're like forcing clashes, each other back. It? Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I was thinking of too. Like Egg Chin and David Lopan. Lopan. Yeah. He never beat me. He never <laughs> gonna beat me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, but yeah, man, it, it's it's you got some great great special mm. effects here. I mean, uh, to the level of you know, to me, Ghostbusters level. Yeah. Good. Oh god, yeah, absolutely. And uh, mm. so that that really ties in for this great part of the movie. But then uh, when all that's going on, Howard's just basically being a, a distraction, and. Uh, <laughs> And when Howard's driving, I, I just wrote on the side, bad breath. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then, uh, again, like you said, the, the standoff. And also, we forgot to mention that, you know, uh, <laughs> Howard says, prepare to eat beak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. So, again, just with the, the, the little kind of cheesy lines, but still. Uh, so you get laser fist at this point. This is what we were just talking about, where the the lasers are going off. They're fighting each other back and forth. Then you get a big explosion, and uh, wh- while that's going on, Philzy is over there trying to release Beverly. And at this point, we get some stop motion magic, man. This is yes. where we actually see what the Dark Overlord actually looks like. A freaking Harryhausen nightmare is yep. what it is. Yeah, you know, it is actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you get this large clawed creature. Uh, it really reminds me of something that would be on uh, Men in Black. Yeah, like it's, a, like a like a scorpion type creature, but with more right obvious extensions and stuff, you know. Right. Uh, Rick, was you was you saying that with a pun? Because it, the trivia is is that that was actually in the Men in Black movie at the beginning as one of the aliens. Well, that's that, that when I saw it, I was like, man, that looks really familiar. Yeah, it's it's one of the first aliens that turns up in the Men in Black movie. That's what I got down on the well, IMBD trivia. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey. So. Again, it looks like we know what we're doing, and we don't. <laughs> like we, we have one of those moments <laughs> on this show, don't we, man? Yeah. Man. <laughs> so much like you had it written down somewhere. Wow. That's weird, because <laughs> yeah, I never so even, I mean, know. I just, in my mind, I thought, man, it just looks no? like something that would have been on Men in, Men in Black, and show enough. No, Rick, you're, you're absolutely spot on there, mate, isn't it? Wow. Yeah. That doesn't happen very often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the other thing, I, I thought, yeah, I'm going to chuck in the thing. I thought this felt like McCready yeah. at the end of the movie, you know, when it, yep. you know, it pops up out from under the floor. Yeah, you know. yeah, absolutely. Expecting a stick of dynamite to turn up, you know. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, the Overlord does eventually, I mean, because you got Howard that drives over his foot, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. with with the, the truck again, and uh, Howard... Or Overlord has Howard pretty much in his clutches, and then, you know, then he's going to turn on the mega laser. Mm. And while that's going on, it says we've got four minutes till arrival of all the other Dark Overlords arriving. And, you know, the, I don't know how they did this, but when he freezes Bev and Philzy over there, man, 
that looks unlike anything I've ever seen anywhere else as far as like a force field kind of thing. It's really well done. Yeah. And again, I think that's what Gary said earlier. I think the effects in this movie gets... It's very underrated, isn't it? Yeah. Um, goes very under the radar, doesn't it, all the effects in this? Yeah, I mean, it, um, it, it really... It, it's almost like... It's probably closer to what I visualize when I look at a comic book and somebody's being froze. The effect mm. that they use there uh, pretty much nails it. So I was really yeah. impressed with that when I saw it. Yeah, that's no, spot on. Yeah. Because you, you, know, you get a little distortion of them going on but then you get this layer that's on top of it i don't know i don't know how they did it but you know i i, I'm, yeah, I tend I'll, to try to pick those things apart of okay you know that's a mat they use this i'm, I'm into how they do the effects and all that stuff but that was kind of reminded me it kind of reminded me of wonka vision and really wonka the job of yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely that's a, good, that's a good way of explaining it actually yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's the same sort of thing that's right? him floating in the air and so many people <laughs> yeah Hey, hey, mom, I'm on TV. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, oh dear, we got Wendy Wonka in this movie now. How did that happen? <laughs> uh, that's, not, that's not an 80s film, but it's pretty fucked up, let me tell you. <laughs> Watch it now as an adult, is all I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, and at this point, you got the oh, Howard dear. cuts off, uh, cuts one of the tentacles to, to kind of break free. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he he gets back on the neutron disintegrator, drives over the Overlord's foot, mm. uh, and then <laughs> Dark Overlord says, "Eat claw, duck." <laughs> yeah, so, the growly voice. Yes, this is oh, it's just not dear. they're not they're not you know these these quotes are just not menacing enough you know. <laughs> but again, it sounds like little kids playing. You yeah. know, eat my dust. You know, <laughs> things like that. <laughs> Well, to be fair, the Dark Overlord is like this massive creature with spines and tentacles that shoot out of its bits to, to grab you and really terrifying stuff. He's being outmanned by a by a duck. Right. He might be three feet tall, maybe. Well, well he even know. says that. You're just a little duck, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, then he shoots the, the, the laser again. You get the explosion. And uh, that's pretty much how they... Get away from the Dark Overlord. It is what it is. <laughs> uh, and then Howard. Yeah, and just, it's, oh, go ahead. it's important to mention that it, it does blow up the, the the laser spectroscope. I think it's called as well. Yep. Yeah. So I was gonna say the, the the big laser destroyed. So that keeps the dark the other Dark Overlords from coming down. So Howard saves the day. Uh, then uh, Beth finds Howard after the explosion, possibly dead, and they're thinking that he's dead and. Uh, you hear him groan. So they're like, Howard, Howard. And he goes, I'm not Howard anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty clever. I mean, it, yeah. that's, that's a good, you know. And then he coughs, and then they realize that everything's okay. Oh, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. So if you've got an 80s movie and you've taken this big journey, how do you end a movie like this? <sighs> Musical number? Of course. (laughs) So now we cut back to now the band is possibly even more popular than ever. You know, they're on a bigger stage. They got, you know, a full-fledged fan-based crowd that's out here. And, uh, yeah, we're singing the Howard the Duck song, which I think is this button right here.
<laughs> Which uh, doesn't sound at all like Prince's Let's Go Crazy, Not does one it? bit. Not one <laughs> bit. Doesn't sound like it at all. Yeah. The, the, the lyrics to the song still still makes you sound like that she wants to get with Howard in yeah. like a sexual way. You exactly. Know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, man. I, 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 know, I know they're buds and everything, but, you know, bestiality. Again, illegal in, in all states, I think, mostly. <laughs> mm. maybe, yeah, not, maybe, maybe not so. Alabama. I'm not sure. But, uh, but uh, <laughs> oh, sorry oh, for dude. your listeners in Alabama. I thought offended you. <laughs> So, yeah, man, you know, I still feel that, I mean, I don't hate this movie. I mean, I'd I'd still rather watch this than probably half the stuff I have watched. Uh, Yeah, I agree. But, uh, Rick, you've got to mention that the bit at the end, Howard, he knows how to play a guitar. (laughs) <laughs> and he's and he's and he's playing it like Marty McFly in Back to the Future, exactly. isn't he? on the stage. I just thought, wow. Yep. But and that that just yes, po- pops its head up all the time in the eighties stuff because we mm. were uh, supposedly infatuated with the fifties and sixties in the eighties. So that's the reason you always yeah. get the, you know, let's play a guitar and do the Chuck Berry duck walk and you know all those yeah. things. So. Yeah, was it the 80s? Was it uh, Young Einstein? Or was that in the 90s? Yeah. Oh, that's 80s. Yes, indeed. Is that 80s? Yeah. Is that still eight, about 89, wasn't it? Um, he does the same thing, doesn't he? Yeah, exactly. With the guitar. That was just um, kind of the, the trend of the time, you know. We we were infatuated. It's kind of like you see kids now, they're infatuated with 80s stuff, you know. So it always yeah. goes in that cycle. But yeah. uh, I think this is a great slice of, of, of 80s goodness. I mean, if you really want to feel for the 80s, I, mm. I still think this one really is a good example. Without without a doubt. Without an absolute doubt. What's, what's your take on it, then, guys? What, what do you reckon? I mean, Gary, what do you reckon of this film? I oh, yeah. I already know that. Yeah. It's, it's been, it's been a, ch- a favorite since childhood. Yeah. It was on one of the, the only VHSs my uncle ever owns. I watched it a ton at his house. and. Mm-hmm. Inappropriate times, you know. You don't know what to say <laughs> well, to your kid, but you know. I knew that that I was in love with with Beverly very early on, Leah Thompson, yeah. and and Holly Robinson respectively, because this was this was the time to be Holly Robinson as well, and yeah. she was in the band as well. That's right. Right. Yeah. And uh, who, who, um, I know you you met Leah Thompson as well, haven't you, Gary? Yes. Yes. That that was a moment, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I, I need I need yeah. to collect my faculties after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, I said earlier, oh, you need your tissues. I said to get the Buffalo Bill there, man. It's like talking under. <laughs> uh, oh, dear. So, yeah, man, this well, movie, uh, like I said, I, I think it just, uh, you know, it, it's definitely got its flaws. And I yeah. think, I think uh, kind of what uh, RJ was saying earlier, I think Ninja Turtles to me is basically taking this movie and fixing the things that were issues and mm. just making the same style movie. There's really not that big of a difference between this movie and, and the no. Ninja Turtle movies. And the funny, you know, with the, with the Ninja Turtle movie, I was looking at that with this. I was trying to see if there was any comparisons. Obviously, there is with the animatronics. Uh, animatronics. But Ninja Turtles um, was made for a quarter of the price. Oh, yeah. This had a 34 million um, budget, and Ninja Turtles had a 13 million budget. I just don't know how they did it, but... Yeah, and that's the thing about this movie. It's why I consider it such a flop because of what they spent mm-hmm. on it. I think so. Yeah. And do you get, I think, do you get that out of it? You know, that's the thing. You know. I think they use the same kind of because um, I know the head was mechanical, 
But not not the body, obviously. Right. But the, the thing the turtles are wearing, I think, weighed like fifty pounds. Yeah, it had a lot more. So there was, there was a, lot, a lot of involved to it. And uh, well, uh, well, you're talking a few years later on, so the technology yeah. had, it had grown. You know that, but this was definitely the starting point for that. And, I uh, think so. Yeah, you have to give this movie um, credit for that, no doubt about it. And man. you know, like I said, there's a lot that this movie does right. It just does mm-hmm. just that many things wrong too and i think that's why it's always been a pan kind of film but i see gary's point too because there's movies that i love that i saw as a kid that are not good movies but it doesn't matter you love them anyways because it takes you back to that time it's one of those things that made an impression on you so i totally get it with this one i mean i can see where i would never say this movie sucks you know because it doesn't no no i can't i can't deny this movie yeah um i mean I like a lot of films today. There was a film. I'm not going to say what film it was, but there's a big $100 million film I watched recently. And I was bored with it. Yeah. It had all these, had all these special effects, um, had everything going for it. But I come out, come out of cinema and I thought, it, it hasn't done anything for me. Uh, whereas I watched Howard the Duck. And guess what? I've downloaded a song from this soundtrack onto my <laughs> phone, which all this. And I do. And, and, and me doing that means that, that film has worked because right. I've kind of taken something away from yeah. it. So there is good tunes in there. I, I still check them out every now and again, and uh, I reflect on, on on happy times. And uh, it's, it's it's good stuff. I, yeah. I, I enjoy I, I enjoy the film. I mean, I know people are out there that downright hate this film. We did a, a show long ago. Yeah. Um, remember the show? Um, Christy hates horror on the Horrorphilia Network. They came on the show and. Christy hates this fucking movie. She, she, she hates this freaking movie so much, and uh, and I I, I I I can see there's a lot of films that I watch that you can say, hey, this is what's wrong. It's like, yeah, it, it there is wrong with like like Scott Pilgrim versus the World. I yeah. discussed with that with somebody, yeah. and they point out every little thing that's yes, the dialogue is terrible, but I happen to enjoy it. Yes, indeed. You know what? Yeah. I, I enjoyed that movie too. Mm-hmm. Scott Pilgrim. That's a, that's got a bit of a homage to it as well, isn't it? Really. So, with oh. RJ, kind of what you were saying a while ago, oh, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. But to me, this mm. this this last rendition of the Star Wars flicks have been that for me, man. And I'm a diehard Star Wars fan, but I have not liked Part Seven or Eight at all. Yeah, I mean they're just retelling, you know, Part Four and Part Five so far. So it's that's like a, that's all they're doing. Yeah. That's all they're doing, and well, you know, not as it's well. Funny you say that, Mick. It's funny you say that, Rick, because that's what I know. George Lucas gets a bit of a slating, and I can see where you go with that. But at least he tries to bring something different to the table, right? Right. Like with this film, do you know what I mean? It's <laughs> I know it doesn't work in certain ways, but in some ways it does, and he's trying to bring something sure. different to the table. Yeah. So, and people get hung up on the fact too of I mean, Lucas produced it, but he didn't direct it, so. You know, you, no, you was, um, yeah, got to right, keep yeah. that in mind too, because people always want to point it back to Lucas. But you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure it was his idea, and I'm sure he had a lot of say so. But you know, it's still not just falling on him either. So, no, I think uh, I think he's he put a lot of money on the table yeah. as an executive producer. Yeah, um, and I think a lot of that money went on to the actual um, Howard suit. Right. I think it, I spent I think they spent about two million dollars on it. Yeah, and. It's actually quite. It's probably one of the best bits of the movie. The actual Howard Duck. Yep. Mm. Effects wise, I think the the movie is solid. I mean, it's got some great yeah. effects. Oh it. yeah. I just and uh, Ed Gow did a good job as well, didn't he? The guy inside yeah. the suit. Um, yeah. Apparently, he could see anything. 
I would imagine. He, he was, he, it, it was no, you couldn't see out that seat. He was, he was blind. So think about that when he's doing playing the guitar wrong, and so. stuff at the end of the movie, you know? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> he's doing that with his eyes closed. Yeah, take Playing, 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 playing Purple Haze with the beak. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, oh, so, yeah, it's got its campy fun, and then so, it's got some that are that's that's just a little too cheesy, but, you know, I, I think... I think because of all those factors, you know, is, is really yeah. what what made this thing kind of flop. But it's also yeah. the same thing that makes it a great cult film. So yeah, a lot of the time. I mean, I, I love the eighties. That's what we're doing the show. Yeah. Um, so it gets a thumbs up from me. Um, but who who else could have played this after we did the alternate? Yeah, this is a, this, this is something thing. we do, Gary. We always talk about who do we think would be good, you know, mm. substitutes for these characters, you know, for people that to play the parts. Gotcha. You got any any ideas? Of- oh, let me let me think. Uh, Willem Dafoe as Doctor Jennings. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That's a good that'd be good. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah, that's a really good choice. Yeah, yeah. Because oh, you, yeah. you get a lot of it. I don't love these Sam Raimi Spider-Man films, but the the the, the outrage that he gets in that movie. Yeah, uh, we we just show up real nice as Doctor Jennings, even even a yeah. younger younger Willem Dafoe for sure. That's, um, that's good. But besides that. Um, I don't know. You you, you could throw Je- no, he'd probably be a little too young. But no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good past that. Willem Dafoe is Doctor Jennings. Be great. <laughs> yeah, Willem Dafoe is great actor. Yeah, I like him. How about you, Ricky? What else do you think? Uh, Phoebe Cates. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, good, good. Which which really realistically uh, would it be that big of a difference? Or maybe you could go with uh, oh, Jennifer Connelly. Jennifer Connelly. Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yeah quite big at that time. She. So. You know, I take that back. I take that back. I'm just throwing names out there. Uh, oh, actually, I've got the list here. Who else is going to play? Diane, um, Diane actually... Franklin. If you see her in in uh, was it Terrorvision? Yes. She's kind of got that same look about her. Right. Susie Putterman. Well, they had here on IMBD actually our Splenda Carlo. Wow. <laughs> Believe it or not, Tori Amos. Yeah. Uh, Paula Abdul. Paula Abdul. <laughs> and Kim Kim Bassinger. Uh, and they actually had John Cusack and Martin Short to do the voices for Howard. Yeah, I could see Cusack doing yeah. it. Yeah. And then as a director, they was gonna he want they wanted John Landis. Oh yeah, from uh, American Werewolf. Damn. Mm. Yeah. And they're also looking to make it just an animated film, not a real. Yeah, I'm surprised movie. they still so, have it. I forgot to mention it going way back to the beginning of the film. You mentioned the score, and there's that very noir, you know, thing yep. at the beginning of the film. Yeah. And um, that goes back to the only real thing that really draws into the comic book. Because if you read the comic book, the original comic books, even the ones they put out like, I don't know, five or six years ago. Sorry about the dog, gentlemen. But, uh, <laughs> um, it had, he, he's like a noir detective, right. but like a, a slapsticky one. Exactly. Right. So yeah. for them to use that one small thing and say, forget everything else. We're just going to leave everything else out. And we're just going to put this little piece of music at the beginning just to give you comic bands a taste. Right. I'm not sure if that was a big deciding factor whether they're going to go see Howard the Duck or not, but um, it's just a little thing. I think yeah. that's that was the problem again was, I mean, if you if you grew up in the 70s reading the comic and you were a fan, and this is nothing <laughs> like the comic huh? at all. It's like, wow, you know. 
Yeah. But I think uh, it, when it came out, he came out in 1973, the uh, Howard yeah. the Duck. And it was all, almost like a sort of horror parody. Yeah. He was a character in a comic called The Man Thing or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so he ended up getting his own comic in 1976, but it was completely different to, to the movie. Yeah. But what I was going to say was, I actually think this film would actually work today. If it came yeah. out, but um, well, I mean, you look at—I was actually going to say as an alternate character, but Rocket Raccoon, sure, from the Marvel Universe now yeah. works great, I, and I think his character's totally sold. So well, maybe you've you've seen Howard's own movie in this. Yeah, hmm. you've seen Howard pop up in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, recently, that's right. Yeah, you know, so yeah. Matter of fact, in yeah. a Galaxy's movie, I believe. So I wouldn't doubt yeah. if we don't see him probably in Phase Four coming up or so. Absolutely, yeah. It might be I, interesting to see how that works. I think it's Kevin Smith is working on a Howard the Duck TV show, probably for that Disney Plus network, which is attached yeah. to Hulu, of course. Yeah. So you, you might see an R-rated Howard the Duck series because um, the the PG-13 stuff and lower is going to be on the Disney Plus and the other stuff is going to be on Hulu, so they're not really giving any restraints to say you can't make dirty things. Right. So I, I hope good things for this Kevin Smith series. So there you go. There's Howard the Duck. We've done it. That's a listener request. Thank, thank you, Gary, for joining it. the show. Proud to be here, sir. No, absolutely. Anytime. Anytime. It's been nice. And it's Gary, if you will, man, you know the drill, man. Just kind of tell everybody where you're at, what you got going on, all that good stuff. Well, a Cinema Beef podcast, uh, sometimes with Suzanne, sometimes with Jamie, sometimes with Iris, sometimes other people. It, it all depends on who's who's in the rotation you know like a good blunt people it's all about the rotation <laughs> and uh it's it's a multi-genre show we do themes two films at a time uh next one that you will hear probably before or after this is one that we did we did uh was dream home and uh damn too scared to scream basically a uh, apartment uh murder horror films and if you haven't seen Dream Home, it's a Hong Kong film that's freaking absolutely crazy. Hey, you guys should watch that movie. It's amazing. Awesome. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> two Dream Home commentaries may be coming back. I, I, have, I have plans for it to, to make it a, a three-man thing, oh. three-person thing. I know 21st century people. Uh, to, just, to, just to make it more cohesive when we're not talking over each other, each other and maybe give a little more facts on there just to make it a little more, more of a podcast and just us effing off and watching a movie sure. it, it, it's it's fun that way but i like to be more informative if i can if i can stay on track uh <laughs> on, on the same feed as uh cinema you can find burning for springwood that's a phrase nightmares retrospective with myself yeah. suzanne mike merriman and jerry cortez uh, starting on the third episode mr venom himself uh those are okay you know they're more fun to, to discuss with a group than they are to watch because they're real they're real uh trash fires if you really break oh, them yeah. down and yeah. how, how long they are and they don't need to be that long but uh i digress <laughs> that's that's about it for right now there's there's other stuff in the fire but i haven't released any of that stuff yet so i'm gonna i'm gonna leave it at that yeah cinema beef's always a lot of fun I've, of course i got to be on a couple of episodes of that so always yeah. a fun show so folks you need to be checking that one out and just everything else that's going on at legion man we got a lot of stuff going on right now so uh a lot happening at the shop so i believe uh rj you, we want to 
kind of reveal what we're doing next? Yeah, uh, our next one is going to be Weird Science. Yeah. Um, so we're going to tackle that. And that's a film we need to talk about because <laughs> you can't get any more 80s than that. Yeah. And then after that, we're going to tackle the Twilight Zone, aren't we? Yeah, I believe that's what we're going to do next, yeah. Yeah, so we've got a couple a couple in the bag to have a look at, so I'm looking forward to getting into those movies, Yeah, which yeah. will be good. So. Absolutely, going to be a lot of fun. Gary, again, brother, it's always fun having you on the show, man. Glad you could make it in for this one. Yes, thank you for having me, for sure. Yeah. You're and- welcome, Gary, anytime. It's good to have you, man. All right, guys, so we're going to cut on out of here. Y'all just keep it 80s. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> Adios. See you later. Adios. If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcast, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Mental Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick Six Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.